Good morning. It's uh, good to see you all uh, today. I have some family along with me. It's been a joy to have them uh, this weekend. Uh, as, I, as I was finishing up my sermon last night, uh, my family was at my apartment. It's hard for me to stay focused when I know other people are having fun. So, my, so I, was, I secluded myself in the bedroom and my family was all in the living room talking and having a good time. And I found myself talking back to them even though I was in the bedroom. So my dad had to say, Kyle, we're dead to you. Because I needed to get to work. <laughs> I need to finish this up. So here we are today. It's good to see you all. Uh, it's good to see you uh, as we celebrate Memorial Day uh, this weekend. And we live in a great, great country. Whether people like to admit it or not, we truly are extremely blessed to live in this country, in, in America. As we have so many freedoms. I'm not sure if anyone here once thought as they drove to church this morning the fear of being persecuted and coming together as a body of believers. I, I, I doubt, raise your hand if you, if you feared your life when you came here today as, as you participated in a group of believers. No, that's because we have freedoms in our life here in America. Unfortunately, not everybody experiences those freedoms that we have here in America, and, and we've grown to be such an ungrateful country. You know, you have people saying, if so-and-so is present, I'm getting out of here. And just so many people grumbling and grumbling and people not getting along, but we truly live in a great country. And we live in a great country like this that has the freedoms because of the sacrifice that many men and women uh, have, have laid down their lives for our freedoms. And that's what we celebrate, this country celebrates uh, this week and th this upcoming tomorrow, Monday, Memorial Day. So before we move on, I'd just like to pray for uh, the families who have uh, experienced uh, the death of a loved one um, with someone who has uh, laid down their life for, for our freedoms that we experience each and every day without even thinking about it or being grateful for. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for uh, the blessing and being able to gather together as your children, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, I just thank you for the freedoms uh, that we have here in America. Uh, Father, I just uh, pray that you be with uh, the families who have experienced loss, the loss of a loved one, um, as m many men and women have laid down their lives for our freedoms. And Father, I just pray that we don't take these freedoms lightly. Uh, but we take advantage of them is so that we can spread your gospel message here without the fear of being persecuted. And Father, I just thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for this church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me give you guys a bit of background uh, as to the origins of Memorial Day. So in the years of 1861 to 1865, uh, this country was in a war. And anybody uh, whose name doesn't start with John and end with Tolis, can anybody tell me what war that is? <laughs> civil War, yes. We, we have some scholars out there. Yes, the Civil War in 1861 through 1865, uh, our, our people could not get along. And there was the Civil War. And it was an ugly, ugly time in America. 620,000 soldiers died. In the span of five years, 620,000 American soldiers died as they fought with one another. To give you guys a little bit of perspective, in all the wars throughout American history, only 1,264,000 soldiers have died. So that's nearly half 
of the soldiers who have died throughout all of American history died during the Civil War and, and that five-year span. It was an ugly time, and many people laid down their lives for, for the cause and the freedoms that they were fighting for. And so after the war, there were many families uh, who, who came home to a broken family, a family without a son, uh, a family without a brother, a family without a father, uh, many families broken. And because of this, a couple years later, uh, they started this holiday uh, known as Decoration Day. And it was to remember all the soldiers that died in the Civil War. However, as time passed, uh, America got involved in more wars, uh, most notably World War I and World War II. And uh, so uh, they went to remember all the soldiers that have died in all the wars. Uh, so in 1968, 100 years uh, after uh, they designated Decoration Day, in 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, basically making Memorial Day an official holiday. So ever since 1968, we've had uh, this official holiday, national holiday, where we spend time remembering the lives of those who have laid down their lives for our freedoms and for our cause and for this country. And that's what this country comes to celebrate uh, this weekend for Memorial Day. And, and it's a great holiday. Uh, the the sacrifices that those men and women uh, have endured should not be forgotten. And as we talk about Memorial Day and as we celebrate Memorial Day, um, I, I'm not sure if many of you guys are uh, familiar with this, but there was a Memorial Day. The Jews have a Memorial Day as well. And its origins go back to the Old Testament as well. Many of you guys are f probably familiar uh, with this holiday, but just maybe not uh, too familiar with it being kind of the idea of a Memorial Day, but we'll see this in Exodus chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to see uh, the Jews, their uh, Memorial Day uh, celebration. Before uh, we read in Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to give you guys a bit of background as to what is taking place here. So uh, Abraham, uh, many of you guys may be familiar with Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son Jacob, and Jacob had a son Joseph. And Joseph was the, uh, Jacob's favorite son. And uh, just like any other siblings would, they would become very jealous if they knew their brother or sister was the favorite, they'd become jealous. I, I know my sisters are jealous of me and being my parents' favorite kid. I'm sure they can understand what Joseph's brother's here. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys are thinking, how in the world could you be the favorite? How bad are your sisters? I'm not really the favorite, don't worry. They, they don't have any favorites. But anyways, so Joseph was uh, the favorite, and his brothers grew jealous, and they had this idea of killing him. Uh, but Joseph's oldest brother wanted to spare some mercy, some grace on him. So instead of killing him, they decided to sell him into slavery into Egypt. And they were living in Canaan, uh, Canaan uh, the land that God promised Abraham and his descendants and his family. And so Joseph, as he was living in Egypt, he made his way up the ranks in Egypt. He started out as just a slave, but after uh, years of working for different uh, people, he became second in command in Egypt. Only the Pharaoh himself had more power and authority in Egypt. And at that time, uh, Pharaoh had a dream, and, the, and Joseph was able to interpret it through, uh, through God's knowledge and power. And this dream uh, notified uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians that there were going to be seven years of famine. And this was an intense famine. People were starving all over the world. And because Joseph was second in command, and because God interpreted Pharaoh's dream, 
uh, they were able to preserve some food. And so with that said, Joseph's family back in Canaan, they went back to Egypt to get some food as Joseph was able to preserve food for all sorts of people. And so Joseph's family, they were in Canaan, but they moved to Egypt so that, so that they wouldn't starve to death. So the Israelites, they moved to Egypt at first in good terms. They, they moved to Egypt so that they wouldn't starve to death. Um, but much time uh, passed by, and 400 years later, 400 years after Joseph and his family arrived in Egypt, the Israelites were growing immensely. I mean, they came into Egypt as one family. And in 400 years, 430 years, they grew to be 600,000 men. Now, that doesn't include the women and children. So it, one could arguably say that there are about 2 million Israelites. It grew from one family to 2 million Israelites in the span of 400 years. And so this new pharaoh in town, he saw these Israelites growing in power and in number, and he became scared. He, he was scared of the Israelites. So what did he do? He, he made their lives as slaves miserable. He, he made them work hard and harder. And on top of that, Pharaoh had the audacity to order all of the Hebrew or Israelite baby boys to be killed. And, and we took a look at that uh, a couple months ago when we took a look at the story of Moses. But Pharaoh ordered all of the Israelite baby boys, God's people, God's chosen people, he ordered all of those baby boys to be murdered. The, the, the audacity. The, 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 probably the worst thing we have yet to see in, in, in God's scripture as, up to this point in Exodus. Pharaoh ordering all of the baby boys to be murdered. And because of this, uh, God was uh, clearly not happy, and God wanted his people out of Egypt now. And so God, uh, he, he saw this man, Moses, who uh, had an Israelite background but was raised by Egyptians. And God had this mission for Moses of freeing the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hands of Pharaoh. And so God was going to free the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians uh, through some plagues. And uh, we see the first plague, uh, through Moses, uh, God uh, turned the Nile River into blood. I mean, their, their main source of water, their clean water, what they use for, for, veget for uh, their crops, for cleaning, for laundry, for whatever, for cooking, they turned that water into blood. But Pharaoh wouldn't let the Israelites go as he had a hardened heart. And, and God delivered more plagues. He brought the plagues of the frogs, the gnats, the flies, the death of the livestock, boils, hail, locusts, and darkness covered the whole land. And after nine plagues, Pharaoh still would not let the Israelites go. He was beyond stubborn. I'm sure we all know stubborn people uh, in our lives. Uh, I, I, I can be stubborn at times. I'm sure Jamie would attest to that uh, but uh, we all experience stubborn people in our lives. But this is over the top. This is over the top. After the Nile River was turned into blood, after immense frogs, gnats, flies, death of the livestock, boils, hail, locusts, and darkness covered the land, even then, Pharaoh would not let the people go. And so God said, all right, I will deliver the last plague, the final plague that will make Pharaoh let my people go. We read about uh, the, this plague in chapter 12, we'll read in a bit. And so God's plan for this final plague was that he was going to kill every firstborn male. Every firstborn male 
was to die. And if we remember when we took a look at the story of Esau selling his birthright to Jacob, the firstborn son was by far the most important child. He was the most important child because he received twice the inheritance of any other sons. The daughters didn't receive any, any inheritance. It was thought that they would marry a, a, another son and receive their family's inheritance. So this oldest son would receive twice the portion of any other son. And on top of that, even more important, the firstborn son was to be the father of the household, the head of the household when the father would pass away. And so here God said that he was going to kill every firstborn son in Egypt. That, that is quite, quite the plague there. But God had a plan. God had a plan. The Israelites, his chosen people, they were not to experience the death of, of experiencing the firstborn son dying. The Israelites, they, they had a job. They had to take a lamb, a lamb without blemish that was a year old, and they were to slaughter that lamb, and they were to eat that lamb, and they were to burn the remainings. But with the blood of the lamb, there's, they were to wipe the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And, and what that represented, it was a sign to God that, that they are a child of God and that God would literally pass over that family of, Israelite, of Israelites. And so God, that blood represented God passing over the family of the Israelites. And that's why uh, we, we see the celebration of the Passover. It's because this lambs, the, the blood of the lamb, they would spread it on their doorposts and God would literally pass over their family and God would not kill their firstborn son. And so we see God briefly describing this process to Moses in chapter 12, verse 12. And it reads of Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through this, again, this is God talking to Moses. For I'll pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And when you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord, throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. So again, this final plague to release the Israelites from the Egyptians. God had this plan that he was going to kill all of the Egyptian firstborn sons, every single one of them. But he was going to have mercy on the Israelites as the Israelites were to spread the blood of a lamb on their doorposts, and as God was going to destroy all the Egyptian firstborn sons, he would pass over the house of the Israelites if they had the blood of the lamb on it. And so in, in verse 14, we see God uh, telling Moses that this day shall be for you a memorial day, a, a day to remember what's to take place, because this is a monumental event in, in Jewish history and, and in our history as well. And so as they have this Memorial Day, remember uh, the, this monumental event, uh, God describes uh, kind of the celebrations that they would have in the few next verses. In verse 15, it reads, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold the holy assembly. And on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on these days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day, 
I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. So again, this Passover, also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it's, it's a celebration, it's a memorial day that the Jews still hold to this day. It's, it takes place right before we celebrate Good Friday and uh, Easter. And so they, they celebrate uh, this Passover feast, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it was a seven-day celebration. And on the first and last day, they would hold a feast, and they would have all their f- friends and family over and, and have a good time and remember uh, what took place as God passed over uh, the Israelite families. And during this week, they would get rid of all leavened breads. Um, now, I'm not uh, a total cooking expert. Uh, I believe I've told you guys before, though, that I have perfected the ratio of cereal to milk in a bowl of cereal. Because you, you, want, you want milk for every bite of cereal. And for me personally, I'm not sure if you're like me, but if you're smart with your, with your eating cereal ideas, you, you want just a couple sips of milk after your cereal to kind of cleanse your palate afterwards. And so I kind of perfected that. But with that said, I, I'm not a total cooking expert. Jamie, uh, my lovely wife, does most of the cooking in the house. So with that said, I'm not a total expert on leaven versus unleavened bread. So according to Google, leavened bread contains baking yeast, baking powder, or baking soda, ingredients that cause the dough to bubble and rise and create a light, airy product. Unleavened bread is a flatbread, often resembling a cracker. So basically, unleavened bread is, is basically like your dinner rolls or bread or any bread that rises. And unleavened bread is any bread that does not rise. It's like a flatbread or a cracker. And according to, to tradition, they only ate unleavened bread for uh, this holiday because the Israelites had to leave in such a hurry that they didn't have time to wait for the bread to rise. And so this is how they celebrate. This is how, to this day, Jews have this memorial day of this monumental event in history. And so we see later on in this chapter, we see the actual 10th plague take place in verse 29. In verse 29 of chapter 12, it reads, And at midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. I think it was Sylvia pointed out to me a couple weeks ago uh, as we're going through an Old Testament survey and the ladies' Bible study. Interesting how Pharaoh said on his, And leave, leave my people. Oh, but as you leave, bless me. So just an interesting side note there, Pharaoh having the audacity uh, to, to dare say that. But here we see the 10th plague take place. And at midnight, God struck down the Egyptians' firstborn sons. And this included the son of Pharaoh himself. This included, included uh, the ordinary people of Egypt. This included uh, the people in captivity. This included even their livestock. Every single firstborn son or firstborn male of, of the Egyptian nation was killed that night. And there was a great cry. There was not a house where someone had not died. And so here Pharaoh, 
Put yourself in Pharaoh's shoes. Here Pharaoh is. Again, the firstborn son being the most important son. And here Pharaoh is, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh would, would be raising his son to be the next king of Egypt when he were to die. And here God kills his firstborn son, the, the next heir, the next king of Egypt. And so finally Pharaoh had it. And he told Moses and Aaron and the Israelites to get out of here. Get out of my land and, and take all your possessions, your flock, whatever. Get out of here. And so finally Pharaoh let the Israelites go. And again, this is the miraculous event, the monumental event in Jewish history that they still celebrate today, kind of termed as a Memorial Day in chapter 12, verse 14. And this is the single most important celebration that the Jews have. It's the greatest act of salvation that, that they have in their faith. But let me tell you, we have something that tops this. We who believe in Jesus as the Christ and the Messiah and the Savior of the world and the Son of God, we have something better than this. We have something better than the all-time greatest celebration that the Jews have. Because the Jews, they celebrate the Passover lamb as God passed over the families of the Israelites. But we, we have a permanent Passover lamb. And, and, and that man is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God. And let me explain this very briefly. In, in Romans 6.23, uh, it clearly states that the wages of sin is death. And, and I'll be the first one to admit here that, that I have sinned in my life. And because of that, I, I, I deserve death. Nothing more, nothing less. And, and I know for a fact that everybody on this earth right now ha have sinned. And so everybody, we all deserve death. That's what we all deserve. It, it, it's kind of a, a, brim, a brim hope that we have that as we all deserve death. Nothing more, nothing less. However, however, there is a way out. There is a way out of his, of the, from this death. And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Lamb of God. Because we are to have the future like the Egyptian firstborn sons. We're, we're to have a future where we're going to die from the hand of God. That's what we deserve. But there is a way out through Jesus as our Passover lamb. God will pass over us if we accept the sacrifice of Jesus. As for us, we all know the story of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. And if we accept that sacrifice then when it comes time for God to judge this world, then God will literally pass over us because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Because he bled and died and suffered on that cross for six hours, because of that sacrifice, God will pass over us in the coming judgment and the future. And it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus and he serves as our Passover lamb and where we can experience uh, life everlasting in the coming kingdom of God, where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And we'll see God face to face. And we'll see Jesus face to face. And none of us want to miss out on that. And it's only made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Because just like the Israelites, as they sacrificed the lamb and spread the blood on the doorpost, Jesus Christ is our sacrifice, and God is wanting and willing to pass over our sins if we accept the sacrifice of Jesus. And the similarities between Jesus 
and the Passover lamb are startling. I, I have 10 similarities between Jesus and the Passover lamb. One, they occurred at the same time. If you remember from the story of Jesus and the crucifixion, uh, he and his disciples were celebrating the Passover before he died. Without blemish. The lamb had to be without blemish. Every lamb that the Israelites uh, sacrificed, they had to be without blemish. Jesus Christ was without blemish. He is the one man who lived on this earth who had no sin in his life. They're both without blemish. They both had to be male. The, the lamb had to be a male, and Jesus was a man. The prime of their life, the lamb had to be one year old. That's the prime of their life. Jesus was just a young doll. He was at the prime of his life when he was sacrificed. It affects everyone. Every Israelite family had to have their own lamb. And everybody has to personally accept the sacrifice of Jesus. Four days, the lamb had to be brought into the Israelites' household four days before they slaughtered it. And and this was helpful for making sure that the lamb had no blemishes in it. And what's so fascinating is that Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem four days before he was crucified. And he was in Jerusalem for four days before his crucifixion. He was in his home for four days as the Pharisees tested him and and ultimately uh, crucified him. There were no broken bones. The Israelites were giving clear orders that they were not to break any of the bones of the lamb when they were killing it or eating it. And Jesus miraculously, he had no, bro- no bones broken when he was beaten before his crucifixion. And, and while he hung on that cross, the, the two criminals that were uh, crucified next to him, they had their legs uh, broken so that, so that they make sure that they were dead. But Jesus just had his side pierced. There were no bones broken. There were no leftovers. The lamb had to be consumed uh, entirely on the eve of Passover. Anything that they didn't eat, they had to burn. Jesus was taken off the cross on the same evening of his crucifixion. That was totally uncommon. As, as most people, when they were crucified, they were left hanging on the cross to serve as, as a sign for everybody else to, to not do what they did. Liberation, the lamb opened a way to liberation from the years of slavery in Egypt. Jesus' sacrifice liberates us from the bondage of sin. And last but certainly not least, a saved life. The lamb saved the firstborn sons of the Israelites. And Jesus' sacrifice, if we accept it, saves saves our lives. So many similarities between the Passover lamb in Exodus 12 and 13 and and to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the lamb of God. He is our lamb. He is our Passover lamb. And just one closing passage in Revelation chapter 5. We took a look at Revelation the other day. Again, Revelation uh, is the vision that John was having. And in this vision that John had in Revelation chapter 5, we see in verse 11, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. So here John is having a vision and he sees the heavenly host. And and this heavenly host are saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits the throne and to the lamb, 
be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen, and the others fell down and worshiped. We see this beautiful vision of John, of these heavenly hosts, worshiping Jesus as the Lamb of God. Because as the Jews celebrate their memorial day, right before Easter, this idea of this great act of salvation, we have all the more reason to celebrate as Jesus serves as our lamb. He is the lamb of God. And we get this beautiful vision of the heavenly host worshiping Jesus as the lamb of God. And so as we celebrate Memorial Day this weekend, I encourage you to to do a couple of things. One, I I encourage you to remember uh, the lives that were lost, the sacrifices of the soldiers who died for our freedoms. Freedoms like being able to, to go to church without the fear of being persecuted. And so many freedoms that, that, we, that we don't even think twice about. Those sacrifices should not go unnoticed. But all the more, I, I, I pray that you remember the, the Jewish Memorial Day, the, the Passover. And I pray that through that you're reminded that Jesus serves as our Passover lamb. He is our Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God. And I encourage you to do one of two things. One, I encourage you this weekend as we celebrate Memorial Day to just spend five minutes, five minutes this weekend, today or tomorrow, five minutes in thanking God. Thanking God for the sacrifice, for sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, to be our Passover lamb, so that he would pass over our sins, so that we could enter the coming kingdom of God. And number two, if you haven't accepted Jesus as the lamb of God, if you haven't accepted Jesus as the Christ, as the savior of the world, you need to do it. You need to do it because God is going to judge this world for what you had done. And if you hadn't accepted Christ as as your Lord and Savior, as the Lamb of God, then you're going to have a future similar to the firstborn uh, sons of the Egyptians. But if you accept the sacrifice of Christ, then God is willing and wanting to pass over your sins. He wants to. He wants to spend eternity with you. So I I urge you, it's, it's my prayer that everyone here may accept Jesus as their Christ, their Lord, and their Savior in the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that enables God to pass over our sins so that we cannot, do not have to experience a, a death by God's hand. And that's my prayer this morning as we celebrate Memorial Day, as we remember the great sacrifice that many soldiers have died on our behalf. Just remember 2,000 years ago, there, there was a Christ, there's a Lord and Savior, your teacher, your friend, your master, the Lamb of God who died for your sins. And we need to be so grateful and we need to personally accept that sacrifice in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, I just uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, this weekend uh, as we commemorate uh, the loss of the many soldiers who have died for our freedoms on our behalf for our country. Father, I thank you for the freedoms that we have as a country. I thank you that we're able to gather together here at church as a body of believers, as fellow brothers and sisters here to just learn more about you and worship and grow closer together. And Father, it's my prayer 
that we can all remember the sacrifice that, that you poured out for us in sending your perfect son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. You sent him to be the lamb, our Passover lamb. And Father, it's my prayer that uh, we, we can come together as a church and everyone individually accept that sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect gift of love, the free gift. And Father, we love you. And again, we, we cannot thank you enough for this great gift, the great sacrifice and sending, sending your son, the Lamb of God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.